Hey, welcome home and thank you for being a part of Sugar Hill Church Online. You know, in times of crisis, one of the things that we have the opportunity to do is take a look at everything going on around us. I know there's a pandemic, I know there's a race crisis, I know that we have economic challenges, we have educational challenges, our families are totally disrupted. But what I do know is that when disruption happens in our life, it is an opportunity to take a look at everything else going on in our life. To try and determine what is it that God would have us learn in the midst of this so that when we come out of it, we come to a better new way of life. So is true with the church. You know, I fear that the American church for years has moved further and further away from what Jesus intended it to be. And that scares me a little bit. It scares me a lot because I fear that our church and other churches and churches all over the globe bought the belief that their primary goal was to put more people into their building or possibly have a bigger budget or build a building with someone's name on it. Better yet, create a field that they could have all of the fun they could do inside of a Christian bubble. But when I think about that and I think about the seasons that a church goes through, it's like a seasons in life where there is time where a church needs to stop like we do as individuals and recognize what is it God wants from us. Or more importantly, what exactly has Jesus commanded us to do? I'm 60 years old now. And over my years of 51 years as a follower of Jesus, I know one thing for sure. And this one certainty is this. If I could do anything over again in my walk with Christ, I would spend more time with Jesus and his red letters in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels. So today, as we unpack this, I hope you'll hear this in the spirit in which it's intended. That we were never designed as a church to be another Fortune 500 organization with a CEO pastor and a COO executive pastor or a CFO administrator. We weren't built for that. We weren't designed to take people who have like minds and, and like thinking and come together and create spiritual minions. We weren't designed because Jesus didn't command us to be a people that separated into denominations and we all had our own little pack. But somehow we did that. And somehow we bought that belief. And yet, that is not what Jesus commanded us. Now, I understand you've got to take the whole counsel of God. You've got to start at Genesis and you work your way through the book of the Revelation. But I believe with all my heart that before we have any command of what Paul may teach or what we might find in the story of Abraham, we must take the words of Jesus and put them into the application of his bride. He is the bridegroom, the church his bride. We are to learn what he has to say. And the church has some crystal clear directives. You know, none of them involve how we sing, how much we sing, how loud we sing. None of them involve what kind of instruments we should or shouldn't use. Believe it or not, none of them said you have to sing just as I am. None of Jesus' directives had to do with things like you need to preach with three points, a poem, two illustrations, and a very, very lengthy, guilty altar call. That's not what Jesus called us to. But let's take a look at what Jesus did direct us to do. Jesus lays out our tasks. And friends, if there's anything we should know about Jesus is that every word matters. And so when you think about that, I want you to grasp this statement. Jesus said nothing about how we should organize our churches or our church services. The Son of God 
that came to give us life and abundance and life eternal never told us how to organize the church. Listen to what we find in Matthew chapter 12, verse 50. Because in there, I think it's likely that Jesus sees his church as a family, as a community. Listen to what the words of Jesus are. Anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And then in Luke chapter 8, verse 21, Jesus says, My mother and my brothers are all those who hear God's word and obey it. Wow. The Greek word that we use for church in our Bibles is really best translated into the word community. Now, community takes on a natural, different understanding than the place we say we're going to church. Because, you see, the church is designed to be a community of people. Broken people, messed up people. People who believe with deep faith and people who have brand new faith. One thing about community that you can't ever dispute is that wherever two or more are gathered, you've got weirdos. That's just the way it works. And wherever two or more are gathered, you have problems. Because diversity is a part of God's plan in community. Clearly Jesus is speaking when he talks of community in these passages. He's talking about a community that's built on unity and obedience. Do you notice that in those first two verses? We find it in Matthew, we find it in Luke, that community is about a group of people who are committed to following Jesus and obeying what he directed us to be. Now, Jesus only gives us a couple of unique and specific references to his community. On the first occasion, Jesus is talking to Peter. Listen to what he says in Matthew 16, 18. Now I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Theologians for decades have argued about what does this rock mean? What is Jesus speaking to? When he points to Peter and says, upon this rock, what does this mean? I'm of the opinion that when we study Scripture, one of the most important things we can do is figure out what's the most important thing being said, not to get caught up in the weeds. So rather than focusing on what the rock is, I, I invite you to recognize this one statement Jesus makes because he says that Jesus is the one that builds the church. Don't miss this. Friend, listen, Jesus is telling us church is community, healthy community grows, healthy community serves, healthy community goes beyond the walls, healthy community is safe. And when he mentions this, he makes a big deal that Jesus builds the community, not by church growth methods, not because you got a better billboard, not because you're slicker in your production, not because that you have a cooler worship band, and certainly not because your pastor's hipper or cooler. It's about this one thing. Jesus chooses how to grow his church, and he will do it, not us. So if we're not chasing after what Jesus has for us, it doesn't matter what we do. All is in vain. Friend, listen. I've served on churches where the singular goal was to baptize people, and if you baptize a certain number of people, we were awesome. And I would say to you, we were guilty of leaving spiritual babies left beside dumpsters all across our county. Friend, listen, healthy communities care. Healthy communities love. Healthy communities make sure we help meet the needs of one another, and healthy community is always growing spiritually. 
Now on the second occasion that Jesus speaks about his community, his church, and remember, his church, it's not the church that is ours that we think it is, not in the way we think it is, because the church is not the building, it's not the time in which you go. It's community, right? We remember this, that Jesus said he grows the community. But on this second occasion, in Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 15, listen to what Jesus has to say. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, then you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decisions, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. Now this teaching is wildly important. It gives us practical instructions on how to avoid conflict, but more importantly, how to manage conflict. But you know what it really says? That when there's a problem in the community, Jesus says the way you deal with it is you go to that person. You don't, you don't wrangle up five or six more and gossip about it. You don't talk about all the things you disagree and create a forum. Listen, we live in a world today that has this binary thought that's either Democrat or Republican. It's black or white. It's, it's everything is living on extremes. And Jesus is saying to us as community, why don't you have a voice of reason and live in the middle? Why don't you just choose how to love people? And one of the ways we do that is how we manage our conflict. Jesus wants his followers to understand and focus on truths that are far deeper, far more important than organizational structures, or whether you've got a hip, cool video. Friend, listen. Jesus then took it to a whole nother level when he was asked, so what are the most important commandments? What are the things that matter most? And let, let me take you back just a bit. Let me remember that, yeah, Jesus said his church is a community. Jesus said that the one thing that was required to grow and be healthy as a community is him. Trust him, obey him, follow him. But then he comes along and says, and here's how you deal with one another. You don't do it in gossip. You don't do it in a vindictive way. You simply go to a person and say, this is what my feelings are. Have a conversation. I mean, I urge people all the time. I, I frustrate people and I anger people a lot. I know it's hard to believe, right? But you know what I ask everybody? I promise you, if you'll just call me or talk to me, we'll find a reasonable voice. And I'm pretty good at saying, I'm sorry. Jesus has a way in which we're to do this, but he doubles down when he's asked, what's the most important thing? And what did he say in, in the great commandment? He said, well, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love others as you love yourself. Come on, how cool is that? Jesus says that commandment trumps every other rule. So listen, if your deal is, hey, you like to, you like to sing loud, and, uh, and you just don't like it when we do a hymn? Well, you know, Jesus is saying, suck it up and be a big boy. Are you, you don't like it when, when he preaches about something that, that's about you. I think Jesus is saying, come on, put your big boy britches on. Somewhere along the way, we, we got awfully soft. And we got awfully thin skin about this community. But the fact is, this is how Jesus created us to function. We are to love God first. 
with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul. But listen, the second thing that Jesus says right behind that says, and if you love me with all your heart, mind, and soul, you will love others. And he put no dimension or structure around others. It was just others. Who do you love? Well, you love black and white and Asian and Hispanic and Latino. And you, you love bald people. You love fat people. You love tall, skinny people. You love gay people. I mean, you even love me. Come on. This is what it looks like when Jesus draws the picture for his community. Let's stop for a minute. Pastor Zach, I want you to sing a song that really speaks to the second part of this service. In just a few minutes, we're going to be back. But I promise you, this one's a little different. All right, so this one is a little bit different. Uh... Thanks for uh, you know throwing this song out there, Chuck. I feel kind of like I'm, I'm playing for tips at a restaurant right now, but uh, just listen for a second. This song has some compelling words to it. Come on, people now. Shine on your brother. Everybody get together. Try to love one another right now. because I, I had to go back and look it up a little bit. I'm not going to lie, the 60s were a little before my time. But man, just that lyric, come on people now. Everybody, come together. Wait, I messed the words up right there. Come on people now, shine on your brother. Everybody get together, try and love one another right now. Yeah. Hey, welcome back. Was, wasn't that fun? I mean, it's not your typical church song, I get it, but I'm old enough to remember the Young Bloods, and I'm old enough to remember singing that song. But before I get ahead of myself, I want to take us back and remind us that Jesus has a vision for his church, for his community. His community is set out to be a house of prayer. Listen to what you read in John 17, just before Jesus is arrested. He says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be as one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Let's pray the same prayer that Jesus did, that we are one in him and he is in us. And the unity found in us being believers and followers of Jesus ought to hold us in the tightest grip, knowing that God will never let go of us. But let us not splinter over foolish things or things that are petty, but to keep the main thing the main thing. And Jesus makes a point of understanding what the main thing is. The main thing is Him. And the main way we show that is unity in spirit. Jesus' church community is made up of a lot of folks. I mean, when I just think of our own church, I think about the diversity across Sugar Hill Church. 4,800 members or so, and I think to myself, oh my stars, that's a lot of different kind of people. 
There seems to be a huge challenge in today's world, especially around unity, doesn't it? I mean, we're rioting and we're marching and we're protesting and we're picketing and man, it just seems like there's anger everywhere. I remember growing up, I had two older sisters and the one I was closest to was Sharon. She's about four years older than I am. And back in the late 60s, she had a 1968 Mustang. It was royal blue, fastback, and I thought it was the greatest car ever. And she had an 8-track that was mounted up under the dash. If you don't know what an 8-track is, Google it. But she had an 8-track mounted under the dash and these two Radio Shack speakers in the back deck. And I can remember listening to all the cool Woodstock late 60s kind of stuff. And one of those songs was by a group called the Youngbloods. Now, Zach sang it for you, but we're going to come back and do a duet at the end. How about that? That, that could liven up the life. But listen to what that generation sang. Come on, people now. Smile on your brother. Everybody get together. Listen to this word. Try and love one another right now. Nice words. But you know, the problem is no matter how hard you try, you can't fix the problem of this world. Because every problem we have is not about people, it's about sin. How we see other people. And anytime we see other people as inferior to us, we have a sinful problem. The problem, you see, is not a lack of knowledge. It's not a lack of education. It's not a lack of money. It's not a lack of government. Our problem is finding in this revolutionary way a radical obedience to Jesus and living in His community. A community of love, of grace, of mercy, and how about this? Of second, third, and eighth chances. I've needed all of them. Listen to what Jesus has to say in John 16. But the time is coming, in fact, it is already here, when you will be scattered, each one going to his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would come and comfort us in times of trouble. Come on, people now. Smile on your brother. Let's get together. Let's find the common ground in this community that Jesus is what matters. That when we put Him in the rightful position in our heart, all of these other sinful positions will find the right answer. Listen to what He said in John 14. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I watch the news and my heart aches. I can't take it anymore. I, like you, it's just I, I want to run and escape. And when I read the staggering statistics of the anxiety and pressure in the world today, I think to myself, hello, the church has the answer. But the church isn't going to have the answer based on what we put in video. It's not what we're going to do live. It's not what we're going to do when we have a bulletin. It's not whether we have the right video tools. Listen, the church has the answer because we are the community of Jesus. And Jesus, Jesus is the answer. Say it again. Jesus is the answer. Come on, people now. Smile on your brother. Everybody get together and try to love someone today.
Friend, listen. Jesus' community calls you to put Him at the top of the list, at the top of your heart, on the throne of your heart. He calls for you to be able to obey Him and walk in faithfulness with Him. To know that it's not easy, but that to endure is to be a part of the solution, not the problem. That we find peace found in the unity, the bond of Jesus our Lord. To not let what we have as petty arguments get in the way, but to deal with them as He instructed. And when we do so, I believe we'll look on our brothers and our sisters and we'll say, come on people now, let's smile on our brother. I'm so glad you were here with me today. Today I urge you, take out a pen, take out a piece of paper. I encourage you to just jot down two people this week that you need to smile on their life. Maybe it's dealing with an old confrontation. Maybe it's just being kind to a neighbor. Possibly it's just somebody in your own family. What do people, is Jesus laying on your heart right now to smile on this week, to bring a word of encouragement and kindness, possibly even reconciliation? I got my two, and I trust you'll find yours. Father, thank you for the opportunity to speak specifically about your church, your community. How we're to gather together is about focusing on you. What we pray about is about you. The solution to the world is about you. God, we recognize that your community, your church is all about you, that you will grow it, that you will care for it, and that you will direct it. And our job is to be obedient and walk in that. So God, for people today that may have zero relationship with you, I pray they do what the scripture says and just call on the name of the Lord by saying, hey Jesus, I need you in my life and I want to become a follower of Jesus. Friend, if that's the desire of your heart, then just make that your prayer. Just say it out loud. Jesus, come into my life and be my Savior. I'm calling on your name. Clean me up. Make me new. I want to live for you and not me anymore. Thank you for dying for me. Raising from the dead to pay off my sin. Friend, listen, if that's your prayer, Jesus did for you what he promised he would. So today as you leave this broadcast, I trust that you'll let Jesus go before you and make a way and make your crooked path straight. I pray that you'll let him go within you as you just prayed and let him make that crooked path straight and make a way for you because he is always good and you are always loved. And then when days are dark and difficult like we're living in now, with uncertainty and anxiety, hop on his back. He's strong enough to carry you and the rest of the world. Wrap your arms around those big, strong shoulders. Let him walk you through the middle of the problem, only to set you down victoriously on your two feet. Wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead. Wrap his big, loving arms around you so you can hear your Savior say face to face, my child, I love you. God bless you, friend. Go in peace. Wow, what a powerful day together, y'all. We are so grateful that you joined us. Listen, the scriptures tell us to cast our cares upon the Lord. If there's anything that we can ever join you in praying for, send us an email at prayer at sugarhillchurch.com. You are loved, you are loved, you are loved, and we are so grateful that you are with us today. God bless you. Go in peace. Yeah, yeah, we got reinforcements. How, we old, got are reinforcements. How old are you? I, I am in my 30s. In your 30s. I'm 31. I'm 60. <laughs> we have doubled up right here. <laughs> and let me be a proud member of the old people to help you sing this all right, song. All right, all right, here we go. I, you, it was a Youngbloods, but it was, yeah. I'd had a little bit of that um, 
Dylan yeah, yeah, thing to yeah, it. The yeah. original one, you know? Yeah. Like, Come on, people now. Like that. You gotta close your eyes. All right. Come on, people now. Shine on your brother. Everybody get together. Come and love on another ride now. That's it. That's like it. That? I was missing out on the nuance of it. Let's do it together. Was. All right. You ready? Ready? Yep. Come on, people now. Shine on your brother. Everybody get together. Come and love one another right now.